the Women of Color STEM Conference presents Think, Act, Achieve Extraordinary Results, Winning Executive Coaching Strategies for the Leader and the Coach, a Professional Development Seminar, featuring Kenneth Bailey of NOAA and Director of Engineering, Asset Delivery for Eli Lilly and Company, Courtney Powell. Leadership is about moving toward important goals and embracing the potential and growth power of people. Whether you are a top CEO, director, team lead, or beginning your career, you should be asking yourself one critical question. How can I grow and achieve personal excellence? Executive coaching is a strategic partnership that maximizes performance and growth potential to drive enhanced business outcomes. This workshop provides a vault of pioneering concepts, tools, and resources that move leaders from innovative thought to strategic action. Get ready to be challenged, take risks, and achieve extraordinary results. Without further ado, the Women of Color STEM Conference presents Think, Act, Achieve Extraordinary Results, Winning Executive Coaching Strategies for the Leader and the Coach, a professional development seminar featuring Kenneth Bailey and Courtney Powell. All right, folks, we are going to go ahead and get started. We wanted to give folks, people, people a chance to, to find their way here. Um, I'll introduce myself a little bit here. Uh, I'll start with saying, and I'm going to try to remember to talk into the mic, so let me know in the back if, if I come over here and you can't hear me. Um, I think this is a really important topic that we're talking about today, um, executive coaching and um, leadership in general. Um, we have a tendency to really focus on our day jobs and getting the job done if you're in school, getting your studies completed, acing your tests, um, but we don't often take enough time to really kind of take a step back and really focus on our own selves and our own development. Um, so I think it's great that we're doing this. I start by applauding all of you because by being here today, you are, that is a commitment that you're making um, in your own personal development. So I applaud you guys for doing that. So um, to kind of talk a little bit about myself, I've, I've got it a couple of ways here. Um, this is the word version of who I am. Um, I'm from Southfield, Michigan, so this is home for me. Southfield's about 20 minutes down the, down the lodge. Um, I grew up here. I ended up going to the University of Michigan, um, driving in from the airport. I got to see the lights coming in, and, and it felt good to be home. So I um, had a chance to spend some time with some family since I've been home, and and my niece, who's seven years old, had the wow face when I walked in the front door, so she was pretty excited. Um, I graduated from University of Michigan in 2003. Um, I actually had two degrees, two BS degrees, one in computer engineering and one in electrical engineering. Um, I was actually told that I was the first African-American female to get those two degrees at the University of Michigan, um, which is an impressive feat, felt really good. Also very sad that it was until 2003 that it happened, right? Um, I... Uh, had a couple of internships, so I, I interned at General Motors um, up in Flint, Michigan. I interned at Microsoft out in Redmond, Washington. I eventually landed at Eli Lilly in Indianapolis, um, and I and I actually Indianapolis. All right. Um, I, uh, I I I've been there since I graduated from college, so that's kind of a little bit odd that I've been there, but 16 years um, that long. Um, multiple jobs at Eli Lilly. Um, currently, and let me take a step back, Eli Lilly, if you're not familiar, it's a pharmaceutical company based out of Indianapolis, it's headquartered there. Um, we have a, um, we basically were known 
primarily for our insulin production. Um, so we're one of the largest manufacturers of insulin um, in the world, but we also have a very large oncology profile, uh, biomed profile. Um, we were talking to people earlier around we have a, a migraine medicine that's out now, which I have a headache, so that's something I was thinking about. Um, but uh, so I currently am a director of um, engineering, um, asset delivery in our devices space. So um, if you are not familiar with pharmaceuticals, one of the devices that's very, very popular is the EpiPen, if folks know what that is. Um, and the idea behind the EpiPen is really that you, um, it's a device that makes it easily, easy to administer the medication so that folks get it, they know that they have it, right? We do the same thing, but most of our devices, we put um, uh, insulin in them, okay? So same kind of concept. Um, my group is responsible for um, the asset delivery. So all of the equipment that we use to actually assemble those, those devices, my, my group purchases those. We, we design it, we purchase it, um, we install it, uh, we test it, and we do that all around the world. So we buy the equipment from around the world, we install it all around the world. Um, we are very, very busy. Um, there are a lot of molecules now that are starting to get pushed into the devices because it is a differentiation in the market. Um, and because of that, my group in the next five years, we're probably gonna in increase our asset profile by almost a billion dollars. So that's what my group gets to work on. Um, very exciting, very busy time. Um, like I said, I've been in, um, at Lilly for 16 years. I've been in leadership for, I'm looking at the chart there, since 2008, so about 11 years. Um, and it was a no-brainer for me to go that direction. Um, I really, really enjoy um, developing people, having converse, mentoring conversations. I love working with um, new hire engineers that are coming in that are trying to find their way in a corporation and in corporate America. I love working with um, new leaders that are trying to find their way as well. So it's a passion of mine. I spend a lot of my time doing that. Um, I also work a lot at Lilly with um, a couple of organizations, the African American Network at Lilly. Um, we have an organization called Will, which is about women and leadership at Lilly. Um, do a lot of work there. And then outside of work, I spend a significant amount of time um, working in uh, an organization that's based out of Indianapolis called MEPI. It's a minority engineering programs, um, uh, program that focuses on 6th to 12th grade students and tries to really um, uh, expose them to STEM. So do a lot of work there. So this is a, another picture of who I am, and I like this one better. Um, so in pictures, uh, I'll start with number one, I'm an introvert. We were talking, we're both introverts, so that's going to be fun. Um, you guys might have to ask those questions, or else we might sit up here and be quiet. Um, but in addition to that, in the center, you've got pictures of myself and my mother. Um, I am a daughter um, to my best friend, so my best friend is actually my mother. Um, and she's here in town, so I was able to spend some time with her last night. Um, the little person there is my niece. She's seven years old. She is my mini-me. I actually think she's my daughter. Um, I tried to steal her a couple of times, and my brother, who's in the top left corner, uh, took her back. Um, so, but the fact that she's a mini-me is kind of funny because it's kind of payback for my brother because now he's got to deal with me again. <laughs> so good luck for that. Pray for him a lot. Um, in the bottom lower corner is one of my best friends. So I'm a girlfriend uh, to... Uh, to a really, really strong group of friends back in Indianapolis. They are my, they're my rock, right? They keep me, they keep me grounded. Um, and uh, we're actually in New York uh, at Fashion Week. And I have to draw attention to those shoes that I have on because I have some crazy gold shoes. Um, it, was, it was awesome. They actually asked me to come up on stage to take pictures. And then they saw how short I was and they said, okay, go sit back. <laughs> so 
Um, and then up in the top corner is my boyfriend. So he's got two daughters, nine and 12. Um, so he's back in Indy. And then I love to travel. So last year I, um, I struck out and did my first solo vacation trip. Uh, I went to Rome and it was kind of like an eat, pray, love kind of thing. It was awesome. I just, I just really enjoyed being there um, and uh, doing that by myself. So there's a picture of me in Paris. When I travel, I also uh, like to represent the D. So um, my, my t-shirt there is pretty awesome. It says Dubai, I can't see it from here, London, New York, Detroit, right? <laughs> People keep saying like, there's one of those that doesn't fit. It's like, I don't know why they have New York on there. I have no, I have no idea. So still figuring that one out. Um, the other thing I feel like I'm really giving back because today uh, Michigan's playing Ohio or Iowa, big game. It's going on right now. I'm not going to check the scores while I'm talking to you guys, I promise. But I love Michigan football. And my dad and I spend a lot of time going to the Michigan football games. We try to hit one every year. That's last year at Northwestern. He's down in the bottom corner. And then my favorite picture of myself is the one of me jumping off the boat, whitewater rafting. This was in Washington State a while ago, actually. I don't know that I'm that daring anymore. Um, but they asked, you know, who wants, to, who wants to jump off the front? And I raised my hand and I jumped off the front. And I put that picture up there because I think it really represents a lot about what I'm going to talk about today, right? It's jumping off. It's, it's, it's just jumping into the deep end. You're not necessarily knowing what's going to happen, but you're going to just jump off. You're going to take the risk anyway. And I mean, and I did that then and, and I continue to do that in my, in my career. Um, I'm going to go through some tips and tricks now. I'm going to talk a little bit about leadership. Um, and then I'm going to pass it over to Kenny and let him introduce himself. I'm not going to talk the whole time, I promise. Um, so one of the things that I think Eli Lilly is really, really good at is we do spend a lot of time with leadership development. Um, they have offered a couple of times um, to me uh, my own personal executive coach, which was really, really great. Um, they've been able to pull me away from work for, weeks to, for a week to be able to um, really work with an executive coach in a group setting and learn a lot of different techniques. And one of the ones that stood out to me recently is um, around horizontal and vertical leadership. Has anyone heard of that before? A couple of people? Okay, so if I get it wrong, please don't call me out. Okay. Um, so both of these, horizontal and vertical leadership, are both very important. Um, you really need to, to be able to um, master both of those within your career from a leadership perspective. Um, horizontal leadership, I'm just going to read what's up there now. Um, adding if I can see it, adding of more knowledge, skills, and competencies, okay? Um, there's no way I was going to make a slide deck without having a glass of wine on it. So there is a glass of wine on there. Um, and what this is about is really just filling your vessel, right? So if you think about a glass of wine and what you're putting in it, you are that glass, and you're putting different skills and techniques into this glass of wine, or this into this glass, I'm focused on wine, um, but into this glass, and you're filling your vessel with with leadership tricks, competencies, techniques. Um, it's, it's about skill building. It's different skills. Um, you're going to hear a lot about that. You probably have already in some of the sessions heard a lot of different skills and techniques that people have talked about um, throughout the sessions at this conference. Um, Kenny's going to talk about some as well. Um, it's about what you think, okay? Um, some of the um, things that we've done at Lilly, and, and I will say, some of the training classes that we have, they probably have our own names, so they may be, I'll try to explain them so you may have heard of some of them. Um, we have a course called Crucial Conversations. Um, so I'm seeing some nodding heads for folks. This is kind of how do you have those difficult conversations with folks? 
Um, you've got an employee that you're working with that thinks that they're, say, a rock star, and they're not quite a rock star. And then you have to try to have that conversation and help them understand where they need to develop. That's a hard conversation to have, right? Um, Crucial Conversations is a course that teaches you the skill or techniques on how to have that, that conversation. Okay, so this is an example of how you develop horizontally. Um, another one that we have that I really like is called Situational Leadership. Um, situational leadership is exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's assessing the situation and then leading to that. Um, what you do is you, you, take an, you assess an employee and have this idea around D1 to D4, where D1 is an employee that is um, maybe a little less skilled in a, in a particular area. D4 is someone that kind of has already mastered it, right? And then based on where they are, you adjust your, your coaching style to match where they are. So if someone is a little less skilled, you don't want to be completely pulled back and just leave them out on an island. You want to maybe tune in, zoom in a little bit, and be a little bit more there from them. Versus someone that's a little bit more on the master side, um, you don't want to overmanage them, right? They've got it. Let them have it. A little direction, remove barriers, back away. That's what situational leadership is about. It's a great way to be able to assess your employees and match your style to where they are. Um, another thing is case management. So this is one where you might have to deal with the discipline issue, right? Every company has their own ways of dealing with that and how you learn how to do that within your company. Again, these are some of those techniques, um, skills that you might build. So that's just kind of giving some examples of what I mean when I talk about horizontal leadership, okay? On the other side, you've got vertical leadership. So. I'll read that one. It says, expanding the ability to think and act in a more complex, systemic, and interdependent way. So to me, horizontal leadership, very concrete, very easy to understand, whereas the other one's a little bit more theory, okay? So I'm going to do my best to try to explain that. So versus on the left side where you're filling your vessel, in vertical, you're transforming your vessel. So imagine yourself as, as, this, as, as getting filled with skills and techniques. When you start developing on the vertical side, you're actually changing the way you think. You're changing your mindset. You're increasing your consciousness. Um, you're allowing yourself to have a much greater perspective. And there's some ways we'll talk a little, about, a little bit about on the next slide um, how you can do that. But really, it's important to have both horizontal and leadership. Or, I'm sorry, horizontal and vertical. You really, to be a transformational leader, um, you really need to be able to master both of those. Um, you absolutely cannot be a transformational leader if you don't get those skills and techniques. But on the flip side of that, you also need to be able to really look at things from a different perspective in order to really become a transformational leader. And that transformational leader is a person that transforms people, organizations, cultures within, within organizations, right? So good leaders versus transformational leaders. Let's talk a little bit about that. Can you guys think of some, of some leaders that you've en encountered so far um, that maybe were what you would consider to be great leaders, or maybe not so great leaders. Anybody think of any, any skills or anything specifically about them that made them stand out, want to yell it out, have a little courage? Communicator. Communicator. Okay, excellent. Not micromanaging? Not micromanaging. Yep. Passionate. Passionate. I like that. Available. Available. Great. Authentic. Yeah, these are great words. I heard another one. One more. Servant leader. Okay, I definitely we're going to see that a little bit later today. Um, absolutely, and I would agree with those completely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about 
a couple of my great leaders that I've worked with. Um, first person up is Dave. Dave was my site head. He was recruiting me to um, take a role in his organization and he's walking me kind of around the manufacturing facility trying to show me the organization. And I noticed that when he was walking me around, every single person he spoke to, hey Bruce, how are you doing? How's your wife? What's going on with X, Y, and Z? I understand Work Center 11 is not working well. What's the reject rate? What's going on there? And I'm kind of going, how does this site head? I mean, he's like three levels above these guys. How does he know all of that? Um, fast forward a couple of, uh, maybe a year or so later, I took the job. I'm working for him now through multiple levels. I had a one-on-one -on -one schedule with him. And um, I'm out on the floor, the line is down. I'm a process engineer, frontline process engineer. I've got my head in the equipment, trying to fix the equipment. And um, my time that my one-on-one -on -one was supposed to be, I was supposed to walk to his office to go meet with him, had passed. And I didn't even realize it, because I'm, I'm focused. And I turn around, and Dave is this big guy. He comes out, he's one, he has to gown, he had to walk 10 minutes, he had to gown up to go on the floor. And I turn around, and there he is standing behind me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot my one-on-one. I'm like, really stressing. He's like, I know that if, if you're not here, it's because you're working on something important. And I figured I'd come to you and check on you and see how you were doing. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. Dave is still my mentor today. Love him to death. Um, he also yells at me often, so that's also funny. Um, but uh, one of the things that was really important about him that stood out was that he recognized that people were his greatest asset. And he valued that. He didn't do it because he was supposed to. He didn't do it because his boss told him to. That was just who he was. That was part of his values. And that's something that really stood out to me. Um, another person um, that stands out is a guy named Ed. Ed is my vice president, um, one of my vice presidents. I've got many of them. And uh, Ed is a visionary. Um, we worked on a project before he was a vice president. We worked on a project together. And I remember when we started, there were about 10 of us in this group. And Ed knew where we were going to end. And he just kind of like was patient with us and just walked us through until we finally got to where he saw where we were going to go. But he had this ability to just kind of see five steps down and just way past what other people could see. He was a visionary. He could really set the stage for where we needed to go. Um, and if you think about that, it's kind of how do, how do you lead through change, right? That was what he was really good at. Um, but I really respected that about him. He, and it's a capability that I don't have yet. I try to, I'm working on it, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. But just being able to learn from him was, was really impactful. But that was one thing that I saw from a really good leader. Um, so if you think about like what separates good leaders from transformational leaders, I listed a few things up there that kind of stand out. And again, ability to lead through change, that's Ed. Um, it is, you know, when you are trying to, people say that they like change, I embrace change, I'm a change agent, you, know, you see that on resumes. Most people have trouble with change. And it's because you're, you're in this dark tunnel and you're turning left and you're turning right and you don't really know where you're going. What Ed does is he knocks the walls down and he helps you see where you're trying to go. And so it, I still have to get there, but he, he helps you to kind of find your way, right? Um, the other one that's up there is clearly defined principles and values. That's Dave. Dave's values, his principles was about the people. It was really, really focusing on the people. Um, and because of that, and he stayed true to that in everything that he did, that was the reason why he really stood out as being a transformational leader. When we had to migrate our organization to a different mission, he was able to do that with us because you knew that the people were at the base of what he was trying to do. Um, strategic and systemic thinkers. So I like the terminology where it says you work on the system rather than in the system. So 
that was a, an area that it took me a while when I was first getting into leadership. It took me a little bit to kind of get to, I would say, that next level of leadership because I struggled with that. I thought I had to follow the rules. I thought that you put me in this role and you told me where my guidelines were and by golly, I was going to execute and I was going to make it happen. I was going to do it through people and I did. I did a great job. But I never pushed the walls back and I never allowed um, an opportunity to really kind of work outside of that box. I was working in that system. I was not working on the system. And it took me a while to kind of understand I have a little bit more uh, room to move around than what I thought I did. Um, the ability to manage polarities, competing thoughts. So I was trying to think of a good example of this. Um, and I'm going to use a pharmaceutical example. Um, we, being a pharmaceutical company, compliance is very important. Um, there are a lot of government agencies here. There might be somebody from the FDA. So compliance is very important. <laughs> My God, gee, we're going to do it. But basically what that is, is that's following rules, right? Now, the other thing that's really important is innovation. And innovation is not following, it's breaking the rules. So, ooh, okay. Um, now, any FDA people, we follow the rules. But how do you as a leader, how do you manage both of those things at the same time? How do you get your folks to really focus and say, hey, I recognize there's rules that we have to really focus on compliance. But then in the same time, I want you to think about how are you innovative? How are you thinking differently? How are you benchmarking? How are you finding new ways to do things? Um, and being able to manage the polarities and those competing thoughts. Um, an example that was presented to me, and I'm, I hope I don't mess this up, because when they told me, it like, whoa, that kind of opened my mind up. Um, a Rubik's Cube. Everybody know what a Rubik's Cube is? Does anybody still, do you still use Rubik's Cubes? Um, so the one thought of it was that when you're a good leader, you're able to take this Rubik's Cube and you align all this, start twisting it around or whatever, and you get that one side and the yellow's all lined up. You're like, look, I got it. My yellow's good. And then you flip it around and you see everything else and all the rest of the sides are all messed up. They did a good job on their yellow side, right? Um, but they didn't really look at how that was impacting everything else that was a part of the system, right? A transformational leader is able to align all the sides. They able, they're able to look at not just this one piece, but the entire system and how what they do on one side might impact the other system. I thought that was a pretty good illustration, so I thought I'd share that with you. The last one here is balancing idealistic visions with pragmatic actions. Um, and that's just something that you're going to have to work through constantly as you think about this is where we want to be, but then getting there is always going to be a little bit more difficult. So that how do you step by step get to those to that to that next level? Um, I think about in our world, it's like we want to automate everything, but we also don't have a gazillion dollars to do so. So we have to figure out how best to do that, right? So I'll talk a little bit. That's my theory stuff. I'm done with that. What are some things that we can actually um, work on to start developing ourselves to be closer to transformational leaders? I think that's good. Um, the first one, um, brand development. So I know that there was a session. Did anybody go to the brand development session? I think that's so important. That was one of the first things that someone taught me was around how do you develop your own brand. I'm actually reworking on my brand right now. I've taken a new role. I'm kind of in a new space. And so I'm trying to really understand that, but um, how I want to position myself. But um, from a brand perspective, it's kind of like, what do you bring to the table that your customer needs that others don't bring to the table that really differentiates yourself? And so creating that and being true to who you are and knowing 
when you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, how best are you representing your brand at all times? It's very important. And that's one of the ways that people know that they can count on you to be that all the time, right? Um, if you click one more time for me. Um, that, that's good. Um, personal vision and leadership philosophy. So um, personal vision to me is like, this is when I started thinking about what's really important to me in life. Um, I worked on my personal vision recently. And actually, I'll share a little bit about what I came up with. Um, it's a work in progress. Um, one of the things that, I, this is kind of what I said. I want to live my life to feel fulfilled with my relationships, my work, and myself. I am filled with a healthy being, mind, body, and soul. My relationships are filled with caring, happiness, and love. And my work is filled with accomplishment, engagement, and a legacy of giving back. So that's where I am. Still working on a wordsmithing. You should see all the markouts. Um, what that is is really saying that you know, when you think about who you are as an individual, it's you're more than your work. You're more than your school. Who truly are you? And then being true to yourself. I think that's one of the most important things. I'm an introvert. I know I am. I'm going to be true to who I am all the time. Um, and then really taking the time to reflect. You hear a lot about journaling a lot, but to reflect on who you are, what's important to you, and staying true to that. The minute you start trying to be somebody else or you know, act like a different leader, that's when you fall short. That's when you're not necessarily um, acting in the same vein as who you really want to be, right? Um, a leadership philosophy kind of goes in the same, in the same um, concept. Uh, Core values you live by, what you expect of your people, what they can expect of you, and how you'll evaluate your performance. So that's kind of much more on the work side and how you work at work. But again, it's all three of these, your brand, your personal vision, your leadership um, philosophy, all three of these is really about looking internally and figuring out who you are and how you want to represent yourself. And then therefore, you're able to much easier operate that way when you're trying to lead an organization or a person or, or whatever. When you're doing that, though, there is a potential watch out that you have to watch out for, and that's bias. Um, if you click again, it is understanding your bias. So when you really focus in on what's important, um, you'll realize that, um, and let me give you an example. If your values are, um, I'm true to my word. If I say I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be on time. This is just who I am. It's very important to me. Imagine doing an interview and someone shows up late. What do you think your initial thought is going to be? They don't want this job, right? This isn't important to them. Or if you, the person shows up early, what are you going to think? Man, they really want this job. It could have nothing to do with that. But because for me, it's so important that someone is there on time, and that's not me because I am not punctual. But if that's, if that's what, if that's what is, is really important to you, then you may actually inflict your bias on someone and you might misjudge somebody and miss a whole opportunity for a person. So it is important. We talk about unconscious bias. That term is floating around in industry a lot right now. And we all have bias. So it's just trying to recognize where your bias is. Um, and then the last one is being fear-driven. I think that's what that says. Yes, fear-driven. I remember it was on my slides. Um, so this one, um, I read something recently, and they were talking about the, the um, percentage of our actions that are driven by fear. And it's a, the thought process here is really um, not allowing fear to hold you back. So if you think about trying to change an organization or, 
or change a culture within an organization. Um, the fear of taking those steps to do so can definitely make you go, well, maybe it's not that important, or maybe I don't really need to do that. And it's just around just jumping in, jumping in the deep end, just like I did on that boat, just jump in and go for it. Um, I took a opportunity last year um, to uh, go to Chicago and do a role. I live in Indianapolis. And I thought it was a great opportunity, but I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what the job was. I didn't know the organization. I didn't know what I was getting into. I was a person in plant at a, at a facility. They didn't want me there. I took it anyway. I moved to a new city. I didn't know if I, I own a home in Indianapolis. I didn't know if I was gonna have to sell my house, rent it out, I didn't know any of it. And I took it anyway. I just jumped, right? Um, four months later, I got promoted. And it was because I did that. And it was just taking a chance and, and, and realizing that I'm going to learn so much more by going forward and trying to do this than I would by just kind of stepping back and being afraid. So a few just kind of last thoughts that I have, and then I'll, I will let Kenny talk, I promise. <laughs> um, you know, don't let fear guide you, but definitely have someone to talk to, someone to vent to. Um, for me, that's my mother. Um, she's the person that I can call and say, oh, my goodness. I am terrified. They, I'm, I'm going to walk into this meeting for the first time. I've got all these VPs staring at me, expecting me to do X, Y, and Z. And she is able to talk me up and make me recognize I can do it, right? Having that person, it doesn't matter who it is, but having that person that you can talk to and vent to is very important. Um, you won't always know the ultimate destination, but take the leap anyway. Jump off the boat. I, I, can, I still remember what I saw when I jumped up off that boat and I looked down. It was just like a black hole. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going down in there, but I'm still here, right? So I'm okay. Um, uh, work to your strengths more than you try to overcome your weaknesses. Thank you. Um, but know which weaknesses will derail you. So um, we always talk about what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses. Well, I'm going to take my weaknesses, I'm going to make them better. Eh, not so much. What are you good at? And really, really focus on that. Be the best at that. And then market yourself for that. But you do still need to know what are those things that are going to potentially get in your way and be the derailers for your, for your, for your career. And then lastly, trust your gut, but check your gut. Um, I have found that the decisions that I made just for my, now, so I'm in a, in a data-driven organization, so it's always like, well, what's the data say? Like, well, I don't know, but the gut says that I shouldn't do this. And I do, I trust my gut the majority of the time when I'm hiring people, I trust my gut. I learned that the hard way. Um, so trust it, but, but you know, definitely think it through. Right? Don't just go, but you know, think it through. But listen to yourself. That internal thought process that you have, it has gotten all of you guys as far as you are today. It's gotten you here in this room, and it will continue to carry you. So definitely trust your gut, but don't check it. All right, I think that's all I have. <laughs> Let's pass it off to Kenny here. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Kenneth Bailey. Um, I'm from Baltimore City originally. Um, education, uh, BS in management from the University of Maryland, University of College System, University College System, uh, MBA from Strayer, and uh, Harvard Executive uh, Fellows graduate. I uh, spent about 23 years, a little over 23 years, about 23 years, four months, two days, and five months. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, a little over 23 years in the military, in the Army, uh, enlisted, combat vet, um, got out, retired in 2006. In 2006, well, initially I was an infantryman, um, later on, uh, human capital 
um, uh, specialist. Uh, and then at the end of my career, I specialized on EEO and diversity, equal employment opportunity and diversity. And that's what led me to my federal career and at the uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission in Rockville, Maryland, initially um, as a uh, EEO and diversity specialist there. Uh, spent about five years there and then uh, went to ICE, the Immigration's Customs Enforcement. Um, I literally went from the best place to work in the federal government to the worst place to work in the federal government. So there's a survey that's done by the Partnership for Public Service in conjunction with the Office of Personnel Management <clears throat> that identifies the better places to work in the federal government. And again, literally, I went from the best to the worst. So people kind of thought I was crazy, like, Kenny, you leave an NRC to go to ICE? And people are clamoring to get to NRC, right? Because people look at the best place to work list, and they also have them in STEM organizations and all kinds of um, different corporations that identify the best places to work. But people look at them and say, that's the place where I want to be, right? Um, but I had been at NRC about five years. I had done some pretty good things, and I wasn't going to be too much more creative or ingenuity. So I, um, I needed a new challenge, and I got that challenge at ICE. Um, <clears throat> uh, so ICE, uh, again, on the, you know, on the survey, it came out as the worst place to work. But for me, it was a actually great place to work, right? Because you can be in the best place to work, and it can seem like the worst place to work if you don't have a good boss, right? Because really, your, most of your immediate boss is the one who impacts um, how you feel about your work environment. Um, but you can also be in the worst place to work, and it can be like the best place to work. And it was for me, right? I had a great boss. I, I was a division head. I had two, uh, uh, two peer division heads, and uh, we got along ex excellently, and I had a great staff. Um, so I was really in a workplace utopia. I was busy. The Operation Tempo at uh, uh, the Department of Homeland Security and Immigration and Customs Enforcement is really, really hectic. Um, however, it was very rewarding as well, right? So um, then I got a call from a friend of mine. Her name was Kim Baus. She was the human capital officer at ICE um, when I was there, and then she left uh, prior to me. Um, and when the position came vacant for the the inclusion, Office of Inclusion and Civil Rights Director at uh, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. When that position became available, she gave me a call and said, Kenny, I think you should put in for this position. And I'm like, Kim, I'm in a really good place. I got a great team, great boss, great peers. I, I still have many, a thing, many things to, um, that I put in place that I would like to see to fruition, but I also have uh, things that I will, other things that I would like to initiate um, however, I told her I would give it some thought. I would apply because you can apply. You can always turn it down if it doesn't um, appear to be the best thing for you. Um, so I applied, went through the process, and at the time, um, I determined that it was the best thing for me. So uh, I, I opted to accept the position there. Um, so I, I mentioned that I had some things that I wanted to see through fruition. So one of the things you should understand that is when you're a leader and you are in different positions, you will put a lot of things in place. You won't always see all of them through fruition, right? Um, <clears throat> but um, let me reflect back to um, uh, uh, NRC. So when I went to NRC, they were the number two uh, best place to work in the federal government. Then the next three years, they were the number one 
place to work. And then when I left, they dropped back to number two. So you kind of figure out why they dropped back to number two, right? Um, <clears throat> I'm just saying that jokingly, actually. But um, as, I, uh, as it's indicated on the slide, I've been a leader since um, I was a corporal, an enlisted corporal in the uh, United States Army, um, leading teams and uh, platoons. And uh, I was a drill sergeant. I served as a drill sergeant for two years, which was probably the most rewarding thing that I could ever ever do even more rewarding than uh, being in combat. Um, and then some external uh, memberships I'm a part of and then my Masonic affiliations. You're listening to Think, Act, Achieve Extraordinary Results, Winning Executive Coaching Strategies for the Leader and the Coach, a professional development seminar featuring Kenneth Bailey and Courtney Powell. Brought to you by the Women of Color STEM Conference, uniting women in STEM by continuing the press for progress. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So um, I uh, prepared my slides after Courtney did hers, so I had to follow suit. So she was all, I had to dig in the archives and get pictures and all of that. Um, so on the right, you'll see my oldest daughter, her name is Kyrell, she's 36 years old, and her two children, um, Kamari and Chase. Um, Kamari is, will be 16 in November, and Chase will be um, 7 in October the 21st, and that's the day before my birthday. And then in the middle, you see uh, myself and um, Tanya, who's my girlfriend. Um, and then on the right, my youngest daughter, uh, Kaisha, uh, and her son. Uh, Camden, uh, who, uh, so I, I didn't think I was ever going to get a boy, right? So I, I wanted a girl when I had my first child, and then I was hoping for a boy the next um, child, but I didn't get it, so I got another girl, and then my first girl had a girl, and then she had another girl, and I'm like, God, just going to continue to punish me for all the bad that I did. Um, but eventually, uh, my youngest daughter, um, my baby girl, she came through for me, and she uh, she got, my, got me my little boy. So we're working on some basketball as well as STEM stuff as well, right? Uh, so very happy to have him. Um, family is very, very important to me. I have a, a whole arm full of tattoo of a family tree of my family. So um, very important. So my leadership style is servient, as uh, Courtney mentioned earlier. Um, it's one that, um, you know, really puts people in front of self, right, and uh, team, uh, focus on team. Um, a lot of that uh, comes probably from the military, um, the culture, the team, the team culture for the military. Um, two things a leader must have. One is a vision. A leader must be able to establish a vision. And once you establish that vision, you have to be able to develop a plan to accomplish that vision. And in order to do that, you have to be able to think strategically, right? And what I would propose to you for your entire career, but also um, in the leadership perspective, I would urge you to think of leadership for those of you that have families, children, those of you that have nieces and nephews, to think of it in the term of how you treat your family life, right? So for mothers out there, uh, out here, um, when you have children, you start developing a vision for how and what you're going to do for that child. You know, what school you want that child to go to, whether it's, you know, the elementary school and so forth, all the way up and 
and what college you envision at. So that is the vision. That is the actual vision. So that is an actual leadership trait that you you have already. You just need to learn how to apply it in a different format in regards to the workforce, right? But when you think of it as a family, it's the same process, right? You think of what you want for your child and you plan that out. And the same thing for your family, right? You think of the same thing for your family. When you get married or when you have a significant other and what you want. Well, we're going to buy a house this day. Well, it's going to take this much and we're going to have to do this to do that. So when you think of your career, think of it in the same term, right? That you strategically plan it out. Strategic plan. Strategic thinking is a very valuable skill that one needs to have in order to be a leader. And a personal skill. So uh, one of the things I missed the, the, the second subheading up there, which is commonly discussed. So most of these things are commonly discussed, right? Most of all of them up there, you have heard about those things, right? So strategic thinking, I just kind of put that to you in a different way to think about it. But all the other ones are pretty basic, right? Interpersonal skills, one needs to have good interpersonal skills. Even though we know plenty of leaders that don't have very good interpersonal skills, but you can be a great leader when your uh, interpersonal skills are better, right? Um, and then integrity, um, people want to know that they can respect that your word is true, such as what um, Courtney was saying as one of your values, right? When you say you're going to do something, that you do it, right? Um, critically, critical thinking and problem solving skills, very, very important. Um, analytical skills, again, basic stuff that leaders and really a lot of all employees need to, to have. Good communication skills and never underestimate um, conflict resolution skills, right? Because most interviews that you go on, even when you're not a leader, people will ask you what kind of situation have you been in, um, the way you had conflict, and how were you able to resolve it. But even mo more so when you're a leader, one, people want to establish or want to see, establish, yeah, I'm sorry, people want to establish whether you've been aligned with your previous um, leadership, right? When you're in a leadership role or going to a leadership role. But if you demonstrate or you illustrate that you had conflict and you're, you were misaligned, then that could be uh, incongruent with what they want, right? Um, and there are times when you may be misaligned because um, maybe there's a value conflict, so that's something different, right? And then you see that that's not the place that you want to be, so you want to go somewhere different. But what I would advise is that you never say anything bad about your previous employer or any of the um, employees that you used to work with, right? Um, and when you can talk about those things that you're sharing an example, right, but you don't have to name the employer or you don't have to say, you know, my um, team member at company A, company B, agency A, agency B. Um, emotional intelligence, again, another one that people are thinking about uh, or more talk is surrounding, and that's actual good book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. I would recommend um, that you get that. And then technical expertise, I put a question mark by that. Anybody, anybody wonder why I have a question mark about technical expertise? Exactly. So the bottom line is, in order to be a leader, you don't always need to have technical skills. It can enhance your ability to um, lead in some cases, but in some cases it can actually hamper your um, ability. Why would it hamper your ability, someone thinks, if you, you're an expert in a particular area? Yes, ma'am. So I was going to get there, right? So when you're a technical expert, you, th you think you know all the ways, right? <laughs> and a lot of times you're not, you, you're stuck in the group thinking in that tradition 
a lot of times you're not open to creativity, right, um, and innovation. So um, again, sometimes it can be an advantage, but it can also be at a disadvantage if you are not conscious of it. And um, so that can be an unconscious bias, such as what Courtney is talking about as well, right? Not strictly related to um, demographics and uh, things like that. All right, so not always necessary for technical excerpts. So I wanted to talk about this slide, right? And, and again, I'm only briefly, um, briefly going over them, but you can look them up, right? And I wanted to point them out to you because they're important, right? Some of these things you don't have a conversation about in a lot of leadership things. Some of them you do, but some of them you don't. And then some of them more emphasis is placed on others. <clears throat> and they're going to post the slide so you'll have the opportunity to get them. And also, um, you can ping me and I'll send them to you. I'm on LinkedIn at Kenneth, Bale, or Kenneth Bailey at LinkedIn. So you, you can, either way, you can get them. And uh, I ran out of business cards, so um, LinkedIn will be the best way to connect with me. Um, so this one, again, I put up there, not always commonly discussed, right? First one I got up there is feedback. So this, this slide right here, is going to take you from being a good leader to a great leader, right? That's, what, that's what's important about these because, it, once again, you don't always have the conversation about these things with some people, but guess what? Most of the time, people that don't look like you are having the conversations about a lot of those things, right? Very, very important to remember. Feedback is one. So you can be a good leader. Um, you can be a good leader without being open and receptive to feedback, but you can be a great leader when you are open. So one needs to have, and that's not just as a leader, but as a uh, staff and employee as well, the ability to receive feedback and appropriately pro process it and apply it, right? And that takes some time, right? Because feedback can be harsh or, you, you know, sometimes you're defensive uh, in receiving it. But once you learn that feedback is a gift, then you value it, right? Now, your feedback is not always accurate, right? So you you can get the feedback and you process it, and that's why I say you need to process it, process it appropriately, right? So um, good thing to know. Feedback is very, very important. Um, authenticity. Your team members, they want to know that you're authentic. Because when you aren't, when you aren't there, it's going to be transparent. They can see through it one way or the other. And if they can see through it, other leaders can th you'll see through it, your peers can see through it. The, uh, leadership authenticity is very, very important. The ability to recognize talent. So when you're a leader, and you're in a position, and you got a job to do, you have to have great character assessment skills as well as work assessment skills. So the work is, you know, they, they're going to tell you that by, by their background for the most part, for their resume and from, from the interview and some other engagement that you might have with them. But you need to be able to understand whether this person is really going to bring value to your team. Because guess what? Your job depends on it, right? Their, your success depends on their success. Have good coaches, mentors, coaches, and sponsors. So they're three different categories, and you need them all. And as a minority, you need them even more. Um, so you need to have mentors who can relay their expertise, who uh, also allow you to um, 
share your stories and your situations with you. Um, you need coaches so that they can kind of counsel you to some degree, right, and help guide you. And you need sponsors, which a lot of times your mentors and your coaches turn into, right? So your mentors and your coaches are not to get you promoted or get you advanced, but they help enhance your chances to do that. But your sponsors, that's what they do, right? They advocate for you. They talk about, you know, um, all of the positive aspects to you, to um, other members that or other leaders that you may not have access or visibility to. Um, the ability to build relationship and networking skills. So uh, I'm a diversity practitioner, right? I, I do EO. So, let me go back to uh, NOAA. So for those of you that don't know what the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration does, um, we are the weather people, one, right? We are the people that push out the weather to the meteorologists um, at the weather station, right? Um, we are the people that, that, that fly the hurricane hunters through the hurricanes um, and things like that. We also do coastal surveying, right, about um, things that involve, involve the environment and that, you know, uh, impact the coastal environment. We also are, uh, have a fisheries organization. They are the people who regulate uh, fish, how much you can get, as well as do a lot of the scientific work on uh, fish and uh, of other um, sea um, species. And um, I am a, I lead the diversity and inclusion office in there, right? So I, I oversee the employee resource groups, African-American employment group, uh, Hispanic employment group, so forth, so forth and so forth. Um, do uh, diversity training. Uh, we also do uh, organizational climate assessments. Uh, and I'm responsible for equal employment opportunity compliance, right? The, when people have complaints of discrimination, they come to us. Um, so I don't know how I got, oh, so I don't have a budget in my office. I have zero budget in my office, so, well, not zero. My budget for my office covers my um, team salary and the rent that we pay uh, in the space that we set, set. So we have no budget for career development. We have no budget for logistics and supplies. Um, we have uh, very, very minimal. We have a little bit of money for uh, travel, um, and that's, that's about it. So if I did not have the ability to um, build relationships, um, I would be struggling. Because I get money from Peter to pay Paul to, you know, Mary and Beth and everybody. But I get it, right? And I got one of my team members here. She can vouch for it that, you know, we, we get a little money to do some things. Um, but building relationships, uh, so um, the Office of Personnel Management identified um, five executive core competencies. And the last one, the fifth one, is um, uh, building collaborative relationships, right? Um, they help sustain you, your ability to do your mission, right? And they can augment, again, financial costs, right? You can, uh, your relationships, you can rely on other people sometimes. They have training. You can send your people to their training. You don't have to pay for it. There's a variety of different way, uh, ways in which these relationships serve as a resource for your success. But again, when you're not authentic, if you go back up to there and you're trying to build relationships, then people will know you're only trying to use them, right? So it's best to be authentic and be genuine. 
um, to build relationships. And I think I heard somebody say this last night, not just when you know you when you need someone, but before you know you're going to need them. Right. Because not because you're going to that um, you may need them in the future, but you may need them in the future. Um, ability to manage and resolve conflict. I think I, I must have uh, had that on there twice. Good communication skills and empathy. So um, your team members are going to want to know that you uh, uh, have empathy towards their situation, right? Not always sympathy, right? The difference is in sympathy, you kind of feel in their pain, right? Whereas empathy, you kind of understand what they're going through. So let me give you an example. If you're a leader, some people, um, how many people in here believe that when, you, when you're at work, when you walk into work, you got to leave your problems at home, you should be able to focus? How many people believe that? Raise your hand. Okay. One, uh, two, three, a couple of them, right? Well, well let, me, let me help you understand that that is uh, not the best way to lead your people. And let me tell you why. There are very few people. There are some that can do that. I used to work with one. She was going through all kinds of stuff, but no one would ever know all of the challenges that she was dealing with. But what I will tell you is that she was very atypical of most people, right? Because most people can't walk through that door and start work and forget about all of the problems that they're dealing with, that they're going through a divorce, that their um, child is struggling or you know, involved in something, juvenile something, things like, oh, even their adult child is having problems. Um, whoever their caregiver is having problems, they can't forget about that. And all of those things will impact their um, productivity and their ability, again, to be successful and to help you be successful. So when you don't have empathy for that, that puts you at a very, uh, puts you at a disadvantage, right? So understand this. All right, let's, let's, let me give you an example. About two months ago, I was on my way to work. And the car, maybe about two, three cars in front of me and on the right of me. I don't know what happened. They must have bumped, or maybe they didn't bump. They must, maybe somebody cut somebody off. But the car behind was an older female, probably around early to mid-60s. And then the car in front was a young couple, maybe mid-30s. Somehow, the car in front, somehow they both stopped, and the young couple got out and started getting in a fight with this lady. I mean, literally, right there on the highway, an old elderly lady. It was very brief, but it was, you know, some pushing and shoving. So eventually they go, they get back in their car, and, you know, they go. Now, that lady, you don't know, may not have the ability to go home and say, okay, well, I'm just going to take the day off and try to get myself together. She had to, might have to go into work because she may not be able to take leave or uh, a day off, right? And do you not think that that's going to be bothering her throughout the day? So it's very important that you have the ability to have empathy and understanding for your employees and the things that they're dealing with women, single family, uh, single, uh, single parent uh, women, and men, right, who have challenges with daycare, right, and sometimes that caused them to be late or, you know, they have a, 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 they may not have a family to assist them, so they have to take a lot of time off to go get them, but they're productive and they do what they, they need to do. 
Yeah, so you're not mind readers, right? So you may not know what's going on, um, but you are, you know, you know your peers, right? Um, I mean, when you're not new to the organization, but when you work with someone for a while, you can tell when their disposition varies, right? And as a leader, you should be able to recognize those things. You don't always need to know the specific details of what's going on, but you need to be able to offer the opportunity to the employee to let them know, how can I help you? How can I, you know, help you so that you can do what you need to do in your personal life so that you can function here at a, a better and a higher level? So again, you, you're not mind readers, um, but you can tell when something's bothering someone. And again, if they don't share it, um, that may limit your ability to provide resources, but it doesn't eliminate your ability to provide resources. Um, negotiation skills, you will need to negotiate. Again, I have no budget, so I have a lot of negotiation <laughs> and persuasion skills that I have to use. So they're very, two very important. So uh, at the uh, Harvard Kennedy School, when I went up there, the, the best, the, the most, the curriculum that stuck out the most to me was the negotiation skills class. It is a very, very um, valuable skill to obtain the ability to negotiate. And there are a lot of different um, components to being able to negotiate it effectively. I actually have one, but I can't think of it right off the bat. Um, but yeah, there are plenty of books on negotiation skills. But it, 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 I'm telling you, it, it, it was very eye-opening because, for one, I already thought that you know I could negotiate, I can you know work with people to, you know, but you know sometimes people take very strong stances. And where they where they at right and finding that ground it's not always the middle ground right a lot of times somebody sacrifices um so um yeah very important skill but again if you ping me and email me i'll i'll, I'll push your book okay yeah 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 so 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 all right so that's that's very important uh michelle yes, sir. so one of the things that you should be doing while you're at these conferences as soon as you meet people plug them in on linkedin Right. Because once again, that's you establishing a relationship that could be a value for you for many reasons in the future or that you could be a value for them in the future. So good, uh, good um, exercise to do as soon as you meet people, especially people that you know that um, are influ influential and that can assist you to uh, link, uh, connect right with them. Political savviness. So. You need to know about the ins and outs of your organization, and these are not always, and so that's not limited, that's, that word is not limited strictly to politics in the sense of the presidential administration, right? It's linked to the nuances within your organization that happens that you may not always be connected to. So those are the type of things that mentors and coaches and sponsors can help you with. The ability, oh, I got a a bunch of different duplicates on there. All right, all right, yeah. My apologies. But put double emphasis on the ones that's up there twice, right? Okay. All right, cool. A value for inclusion. So I, I put that one on this slide, but it, it is, um, you know, it's more commonly spoken of with um, leadership in leadership sessions now, right? The, the ability to have a value for inclusion. And, you know, again, you can't put enough emphasis on what Courtney emphasized about unconscious biases, right? And 
understand that, as she mentioned, everybody has them, right? Because nobody likes everything. And if you don't like it, then you may have a bias against it. But you may have a bias against all of the things that you like, right? Um, and then uh, social and behavioral intelligence. So again, I, I told you these things here, if you get these, they, they're going to put you over the top, right? They're, they're going to distinguish you from your peers, which is what you should want to be, right? You should want to be the best at what your job is. And if your job is as a leader, um, then, you know, again, there's a bunch of other leaders within your organization and you want to distinguish yourself. I learned that throughout the military, right? To always distinguish yourself amongst your peers. Because if you didn't, you would get left behind as far as promotion, and they would continue to get promoted. Um, but social intelligence helps you understand how one should act within different environments, right? And you should be able to recognize those things within your employees, right? Like some of these um, social, socially reclusive people that wind up, you know, going through these extreme things with shootings and things like that, when you understand and recognize those things, again, that gives you the ability to provide resources to help people through so that, again, they can be successful at their job, but more importantly, um, you know, help their personal life out. And then last is behavioral intelligence, right? Behavioral intelligence says that, you know, we know what the laws are. Let's, let's take sexual harassment for, um, for instance. Um, um, people know what sexual what you told you do you, you can't um, sexual harass you can't do unwanted you know uh, harassment um, but they don't always know what that behavior looks like right then there are some things that's pretty obvious like you thou shall not kill you kill murder you, you go to jail right so there are there are plenty of things like that but there are nuances to some rules and policies that are in place um, in, in your organization that people don't really all always understand what behavior is actually congruent with what that rule and policy is. And when you know that, again, you can coach them better to be successful. That's all I got. Now we got time for Q&A. What are your questions? Yes, and my name is Paul Courtney. My name is Glaucia and I'm from Boeing and I live in South Carolina. It's really cold over here now. <laughs> it's freezing in here. <laughs> uh, my question for you is, uh, actually, before I say something, wow, you're amazing. So you just inspire me with your whole story. So I would like to know what book did you read, what happened in your life for you to have this such personality and pursue your dreams and just go for it. Uh, that, was, that, that was for you. I didn't think that was for me at all. <laughs> Um, I, I, I think, I mean, so for me, it, it's really my family, right? It's, it's being able to um, make my family proud. It's being able to um, achieve for, for them and, and show them um, that we can do it. I, I mentioned I work a lot with young kids, and so being able to be a role model for young kids and, and do that, I, that, that's what drives me. I think the other thing that I will say that also drives me is um, anytime someone tells me I can't, and so for the women in the room, we're going to hear it. We're going to hear it throughout our careers. And you just have to tell me one time, I can't. Um, I remember one of my, my leaders, and he shared this with me, which I thought was interesting. Um, I took over a maintenance organization. Most of the maintenance organizations that we have are mostly men. I think we had one woman in the organization. And he told me he wasn't sure whether or not I was the right person for the job because I was a woman. 
And I thought, okay, I was in the job at the time. He gave it to me anyway, which I appreciated. And it was like, you know, I have to knock your socks off because there's no way in the world you're gonna tell me I can't do something and then I'm not free to be wrong. So I think there's that will to just show that we belong here, you know, and I belong here. And um, the, for the young folks that are, that are, you know, still trying to grow their careers or figuring out what they wanna do, it's the same thing. I think giving people as many examples of what you know, success looks like, and it looks like something different for every single one of us, um, that's what's going to continue to, like, each one bring one up with you. Um, so, you know, you ask, like, what drives me? That, that's kind of what drives me. I hope I answered your question. Oh, goodness, you're going to ask me about books. <laughs> um, actually, yes, I wrote one down. So I talked about uh, executive co coaching. One of the executive coaches I had an opportunity to work with, her name is Veronica Holcomb, um, and Ready, Set, Grow was uh, the book that she wrote. And I thought it was really great, um, so I would, I would recommend that one. If I could, before we take the next question, I, I left two things off that I wanted to talk about. One was flexibility, right? Actually, that should have been up there, because as a leader, you need to be flexible. You're going to be get hit by all kinds of things and all kinds of different scenarios, and you're going to have to adjust your course of action, and you're going to have to inspire your team to do the same thing, right? And then lastly, what I want to tell you, ladies, when you're in the room and, you get a, and there's an open seat at the front of the table, take that seat. And what I will urge you and encourage you to do is when you come to the conference, you do the same thing. Because what it is is a pattern of behavior that you begin to establish, right? And you begin to, to, to have this practice where if it's okay for you to sit in back, or next time you're in a boardroom or you finally get a meeting to come to the boardroom or a leadership session, you sit on the wall instead of at the, uh, the, the main table. So you need to sit at the table so that you can be heard because for one, you're already going to be going up against it rough when you sit at the table. But when you sit at the back, it's even more easier to, to overlook you. So don't be afraid to sit at the front and start building that pattern whenever you're in a session. Come to the front whenever you're in a meeting. Sit at the main table. Don't sit in the back unless you are restricted from doing so. Before I get to my question, you said Ready, Set, Growth was by Veronica who? Holcomb. Holcomb, H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Okay, because that's along the lines I was asking. For, since we're talking about coaching, do, is there a particular coaching model if we want to be, you know, we're in management and we want to do better with coaching, is there a particular coaching model? Um, or how does that work? Or, I mean, I can now you say I can read, is Ready, Set, Grow, is that something that's going to help me, me personally grow, is it going to help me be a better coach? That one is really around, uh, it's, she is an executive coach, so it's written to help, grow the individual. So that one's going to be more for you than it is going okay. to be for you kind of uh, developing your, your own coaching skills. Right, okay. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything for developing the coaching in you? I don't. Do you? I'm sorry. Any books to help you develop as a coach? Not that I'm going to. I have a terrible memory. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a combat vet with disabilities. So you got to give me a get out of jail free card. Right? And I got a whole list of books, a whole uh, bookshelf in my office. When I get back, I'm just going to put a list together and just yeah, shoot them out. Right? I'm sorry. Currently on my list, um, it's called Thank You for the Feedback. Oh, mm. okay. So I heard that one too. Nice. Thank you for the feedback. Okay. Yes. As well as the Yes, it will. 
Uh, you know, now that you mentioned, there is one called FYI I'm thinking of, and I do not know who it's by. So, um, but it's not one, so as an engineer, I don't like to read full books. I like to be able to reference, and it's one of those books that you can reference. So when you're trying to actually um, find some feedback to give someone, it's a really good one for that. But FYI, and I, I, I same thing, I can get you there. Crucial Conversations is a book, too, that she actually yeah. had about a course. That's an actual book. Mm-hmm. Crucial Conversations. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Okay, my question is around authenticity. I do not have a poker face. <laughs> right. If there is something I, I don't agree with, um, you will know it because it will show on my face. But unfortunately, as a leader, and not a leader in upper management yet, but there are decisions that are made at the top that come down. Sometimes, as a leader in my position, there are things that happen and decisions that are made that we don't agree with. What is that thing that can help trigger in me um, the way to convey it to my team and with myself that the change that is coming is it's okay? Um, sometimes we do have to, sometimes we can agree to disagree yeah. behind closed doors, but when we get in front of our team, we have to be on the same page. Yeah. I, I haven't clicked yet with whatever that is that I need to have within me to be able to put on that poker face when need be. Yeah. So what I would say is not important enough to you, because if it was important enough to you, you would do it. So when you're an elite, when you're a leader, and like you said, you have you know conflicting directions that you're not always um, totally in agreement with. It's very important for you to be aligned with whether you agree with the decision or you've come to some kind of consensus that you support it, right? And when you go in front of your team, you need to you need to illustrate it. And if you again, if you if you are someone who is authentic um, and you aren't able to, um, you know, place a facade for the benefit of what happens, then it's it's going to be challenging, right? It's going to be transparent. But when it becomes important, when you, when you know the conflict that it can cause by you showing misalignment with your senior leadership, then you know that it's worth the effort to make sure that you do keep a straight face. I'll add one more thing to that. Um, understand the why. So try to understand from your, your leadership why they made that decision. And then when you double-click on the authenticity piece, it's okay to tell your team, your team I wasn't on board with this either. But then I, I, I asked some more questions, and I understood this is what it was. And now I understand why we're doing it. And that will help them because they're going to go, like, well, this doesn't make sense. But when you help them say, hey, you know what, I thought the same thing, but now I'm there. Um, because you go and you have those conversations about the why. We, a lot of times we tell people what to do, but we don't give them the why behind it. So if you continue to ask those questions and explain that to your team, that will help to get them on board. Can we take this one more before we close out? Last one. Hi, my name is Kayla Ward-Cofield, and I'm a sophomore at the Morgan State University. There you go, I also want to thank you both for your time and for the great presentation. I wanted to piggyback, um, I took great notes, by the way, but I wanted to piggyback off of um, your slide when you were talking about building collaborative relationships and networking skills, and I just wanted to add to make sure you're intentional. Um, with networking, it's very key that you're intentional with the connections that you're making, um, because not only are you helping them, but they're also helping you. It's a two-way street. And then um, I also have two reference books that um, my chief, when I was in the Air Force, gave me. 
So they're actually at my desk. The first one is How to Say It, and it's a really good book. Um, when you're in a, even when it comes to like um, conflict resolutions, it teaches you a nicer way or a more appropriate way to approach people that you may that when you're not comfortable. And then the other one is how to write it. Um, I know that some, especially being in college um, and not having a technical degree, I guess, um, you're focusing more on probably like, I don't know. I forgot where my thought process is going, but um, <laughs> it helps with like being able to write like something as simple as a letter or a thank you card or an email. It, like it's very, very helpful. Yep. I just wanted to get Thank you. See Thank you. Appreciate the feedback yeah. as well. And then one last book, uh, How to Get to Yes, is yeah. the negotiation yeah. one. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, everybody. We Thank appreciate you. your attention. Thank you for listening to Think, Act, Achieve Extraordinary Results, Winning Executive Coaching Strategies for the Leader and the Coach, a professional development seminar featuring Kenneth Bailey of NOAA and director of engineering asset delivery for Eli Lilly and company Courtney Powell. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the women of color STEM conference for more information on how you, your company or organization can take part, visit www.womenofcolor.net. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.